You can control the meaning of a word. You can control those that have to use it, said Philip K. Dick. And today we're going to end this year-long series with a simple message. A simple insight into language and the complications that arise when we try and define, delineate and demarcate. When we search for certainty and definition in a surreal and increasingly subjective world. Today we say hello and wave goodbye with a quote from our old bearded and British pal, Al Watts. The menu, said Al, is not the meal. Welcome back to Talking Tai Chi with the Teapot Monk and to the final episode. Uh-oh. Will the podcast return next year? We shall see. Events have a way of conducting themselves. Nothing truly ends. All energy transforms itself into other patterns. This podcast emerged from the Being Curd Boxer blog that emerged from the Tai Chi trilogy books that emerged from my practice with others. These things continue in one form or another. In this episode, I want to finish by looking at the use and abuse of words. Over the last year, we have seen how words come and go, like a posture in the form. Last week, we looked at words like efficiency and how to get things done, and concluded that one of the most curious methods of productivity for the 21st century urban warrior, intent on the path of least resistance, and a life consistent with loose hips and well-lubricated knees, was to simply leave things alone. Leaving things alone is part of the great Tai Chi tradition of letting go of stuff. In this case, the need to prod a small fish as we fry up the day's lunch. For if we prod and we prod, if we interfere too much, if we try too hard, then what is left loses clarity, substance and shape. And in the case of the fish, ultimately, it's fishy shape and it's fishy taste. And what could be worse than abstracting the taste from the activities we pursue? So leave things be, was the conclusion reached last week, for the act of leaving things alone is a useful habit. When we leave things alone, we learn to let go and we allow for a change of direction. When we let go of what we are, we become what we might be, said Lao Tzu. Other ideas and sensations have room to pass by without judgment, without censorship. At times, that's just what we need, even though we don't know it, because our words have told us otherwise. This year of podcasting 
has been an attempt to remind us all that by over-prodding, we risk losing the flavour, and therefore the point. In Tai Chi, we see this as schools obsess over correctness. The correct use of the apostrophe in the description of the art. The correct choice of a C or a Q in the spelling of the word chi. The correct location to display one's accumulated weekend certificates. And the correct technique for ironing those satin pyjama bottoms for the next YouTube-exclusive Fajin demonstration. You see, it all starts when we begin to seek the one path, the one way. When we seek the one knowledge and the claim of exclusivity regarding the correct position of an elbow in the short form, the angle of the little toe when concluding golden rooster, or the definitive angle of your eyebrow in order to stimulate the movement of chi through the greater Venusian orbit channel. It all starts when we obsess over the correct use of words. In her book, Eat, Pray, Love, Elizabeth Gilbert wrote, the yogic sages say that all the pain of human life is caused by words, as is all the joy. We create words to define our experience, and those words bring attendant emotions that jerk us around like dogs on a leash. We get seduced by our own mantras. I'm a failure. I'm lonely. I'm a failure. I'm lonely. And we become monuments to them. To stop talking for a while, then, is to attempt to strip away the power of words. To stop choking ourselves with words. To liberate ourselves from our suffocating mantras. Thus, playing with the empty hand form, or sword, engaging in qigong sessions, and coordinating breathing with the wind or the movement of the sky, connecting and disconnecting with someone's life force via push hands are all opportunities to liberate ourselves from the suffocating mantras to strip the words of their power. This year of podcasting has been a year of attempting to dismantle the mantras, to stop the obsession with rigid definitions of universality, fixed postures instead of individual patterns, and the imposition of knowledge rather than its discovery. To that end, bean curd boxers have opted to dismantle the barriers, the fences outside the Chen training schools. So not just Yangilu Chan, but the whole world and their orangutan can peek inside. Let's not forget that peeking is a fine and honourable activity, without which the Yang style would never have come into being. Oh, really? This year of podcasting hopefully has left you, me, us, better able to deal with a world ever susceptible to the delights of contradiction. And as for clarity, it should be remembered, in the making of soups it is at times a worthwhile objective, 
but in the practice of Tai Chi, it often disables rather than enables. Clarity, the quest for certainty, the search for absolutes, the pressure for finding and holding on tightly to fixed ideas are our challenges for the year ahead, particularly as our inboxes flood with offers for exclusivity, insight and authenticity training courses in a world where the meaning for such terms has all but been lost. But don't worry if the techniques and tactics of bean curd boxing can't answer your every need and you succumb to the temptations of acquiring Sifu status in a 48-hour certificated weekend intensive. Uh-oh. Or if you succumb to the philosophy of the fixed patterns and hierarchical structures of learning. Uh-oh. At times, we must all adapt to the local conditions, and what on the surface looks so mechanical and precise is often underneath an unstable pattern of forms and energy that is always tugging at the leash of stability and immobility. If you have not yet distinguished the hyperbole from the humility, then you may want to read Ways of Learning. So, is Tai Chi a martial art, a health art, or just a philosophical point of view? Is Tai Chi an ancient art or a contemporary practice? Is it still an oriental art or has it evolved into an occidental technique for living effectively? What lies beyond these words? Well, Whatever Sifu, of that matter, a bean curd boxer says, remember one thing. Tai Chi's inherent flexibility, diverse origins and open philosophy has meant that it remains a force that can easily adapt to different times, cultures and locations. Some have argued that this has diluted its original message and skill base. Others, in reply, have said that such diversity has ensured its continuation, growth and ability to stay relevant in the 21st century. This is my belief. And this is where we end. This is where I say hello and wave goodbye. And this is where the words come to rest. Whilst the planet becomes increasingly digitalized, we are noticeably becoming hungrier for a sense of connection with something profound, something timeless, and something that can inspire us rather than simply inform us. People, I feel, are no longer content to hear or just read words. For at last, we are beginning to recognise that words are easy to say. Words are easy to write, to organise, and to display in a pretty certificate on the wall. 
on the back of a t-shirt or even in a plastic folder on top of a restaurant table. is not the meal. Looking to discover what Tai Chi can do for you or curious and would like to know a little more? Well, just come over to 21stCenturyTaiChi.com look for the link in the show notes. There's short introductory courses, breathing, health, tai chi form, sword, philosophy applications and more, plus books, PDFs and great videos and even music. Got a question? Track me down on social media as the Teapot Monk. Thanks for listening.